0: pray with me, we're going to get into God's word. Father in heaven, as we are singing and worship this morning, it is, it is our heartfelt prayer that the words that we sang and the way that we sang them were pleasing to you, that they brought glory and honor to you, that you were, you're fully aware of how much we love you and how grateful we are for all that you have done for us. You are truly our living hope. I don't know how people make it through a day, really even an hour, without having that truth resonate deep within them. So thank you, Lord, for all that you provide us. This morning as we open our Bibles, we're going to ask you to teach us. We're going to ask you to stretch us. We're going to ask you to give us a foundation that we can stand squarely on, one that will keep our feet from ever moving as we look forward to being with you, our living hope. So Lord, would you teach this morning? Would you give the right words? Would you open our hearts to receive them? And then would you let them remain with us? We ask that, Father, with great faith and with great expectation. And in Jesus' name, amen. I want to take a quick poll this morning as we get started. How many of you have heard the term fake news? (laughs) Figured a lot of you had. How many of you are completely comfortable defining what fake news is for anybody that would ever ask you? A few people are. There's a lot of confusion that surrounds the idea, and I want to spend a, a few weeks helping clear that up because we live in very uncertain times. Figuring out what truth is in times like these can be extremely difficult. We are going to spend these weeks, just three of them, looking at fact this week, and then next week, feelings, and the week after that, faith. And I'm going to show you how all three of those things come together to help us make our way through fake news and uncertain times in such a way that we can find truth, that we can stand on truth and never be moved from that truth. I hope you'll be here each week with us as we go through this. Each week we'll build on the one before, so if you happen to miss a week, go back and listen online so that you're able to stay up with us. But let's start with just this idea of fake news. I saw a little video this past week that does a pretty good job of defining what it is. Watch this, it doesn't take very long.
1: Fake news is nothing new, but bogus stories can reach more people more quickly via social media than what good old-fashioned viral emails could accomplish in years past. A lot of these viral claims aren't news at all, but fiction, satire, and efforts to fool readers into thinking they're for real. Here are some strategies to shield yourself from fake news. Are you familiar with the source? Is it legitimate? Has it been reliable in the past? If not, you may not want to trust it. If a provocative headline drew your attention, read a little further before you decide to pass along the shocking information. Even in legitimate news stories, the headline doesn't always tell the whole story. But fake news, particularly efforts to be satirical, can include several revealing signs in the text. One fake story even attributed a quote to a dolphin. If that had been real, you could argue they buried the lead. Another telltale sign of a fake story is often the byline, if there even is one. And in some cases, the authors are not even real. One story was credited to a doctor who won 14 Peabody awards and a handful of Pulitzer prizes, which would be very impressive if it wasn't also totally made up. Many times these bogus stories will cite official or official sounding sources, but once you look into it, the source doesn't back up the claim. Some false stories aren't completely fake, but rather distortions of real events. These mendacious claims can take a legitimate news story and twist what it says, or even claim that something that happened long ago is related to current events. One deceptive website took a story that was over a year old from CNN and slapped on a new, misleading headline and publication date. So on top of the deception, there was copyright infringement. Remember, there is such a thing as satire. Normally it's clearly labeled as such, and sometimes it's even funny. But it isn't the news. And then there's the more debatable forms of satire, designed to pull one over on the reader. These posts are also designed to encourage clicks and generate money for the creator through ad revenue. But they aren't news. We know this is difficult. Confirmation bias leads people to put more stock in information that confirms their beliefs and discount information that doesn't. But the next time you're automatically appalled at some social media post concerning, say, a politician you oppose, take a moment to check it out. Try this simple test. What other stories have been posted to the news website that is the source of the story that just popped up in your social media feed? You may be predisposed to believe a story about a politician you don't like, but if the alleged news site also features a story about guardians from Antarctica retaliating against America by hitting New Zealand with an earthquake, maybe you should think twice before sharing. And yes, that earthquake story is a real example of a fake story that popped up. We know you're busy, And some of this debunking takes time. But fact-checkers get paid to do this kind of work. Between factcheck.org, Snopes.com, The Washington Post fact-checker, and PolitiFact.com, it's likely at least one has already fact-checked the latest viral claim to pop up in your social media newsfeed. And remember, newsreaders themselves remain the first line of defense against fake news. To see more, go to factcheck.org.
0: Now that gives a pretty under pretty good understanding of what fake news really is but there are some things we could add to it to help us really understand the concept but first you have to know that the term is unique in and of itself it is referred to as a neologism fake news is a neologism now i know that some of the word nerds that are in the the room with us right now know exactly what that means i am not a word nerd so i needed to look it up here's the definition A neologism uh, is from the Greek meaning new speech. It's a relatively recent or isolated term, word, or phrase that may be in the process of entering common use, but that has not yet been fully accepted into mainstream language. Neologisms are often driven by changes in culture and technology, And certainly fake news fits in that realm. In the last four to eight years, the term has been showing up over and over and over again. And as we saw just a few minutes ago, most everybody in here has heard it. The video did a pretty good job of helping us understand what types of fake news there are, but a lady named Claire Wardle from First Draft News would break down the idea into seven different components. Here they are. She says, fake news can appear as satire or parody. We saw that in the video. When it does, there is no intention to cause harm, but it does intend to fool people. When fake news shows up like that, it's doing so for a reason. There's false connection. When headlines, visuals, or captions don't support the content, that is also fake news. There's misleading content. That is the misleading use of information to frame an issue or an individual. Also, false context, when genuine content is shared with false contextual information. Imposter content, when genuine sources are impersonated with false made up sources. Manipulated content, when genuine information or imagery is manipulated to deceive, as with a doctored photo. And then there's fabricated content, new content is 100% false, designed to deceive and do harm. That's fake news. It can take on any of those seven appearances and do us great harm if we're not careful. Fake news shows up on social media all the time. It shows up on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat. Doesn't matter. You can find fake news no matter where you look. You can pick up a newspaper or a magazine if you can still find one and you will discover fake news within those things. Even on mainstream media feeds, you can find fake news. And there are several traps that wait for us when we do discover it, like a trap called the illusory truth effect. This is it up on the screen, the illusory truth effect. Now again, you may not be familiar with the definition, so let me help you out. Here it is. The illusory truth effect that is our human tendency to find an assertion more compelling if we've come across it before. The reason why researchers believe this happens is because when we perceived an idea or comment once, it takes less effort for our brains to grasp it when we encounter it again. And this greater bit of mental comfort we enjoy as we're taking in an idea again leads us to treat it as more plausible. Now, here's a way to boil that down. The more times you hear something, the more likely you are to believe it. Now, there's another dimension to that. The more times you say something, the more likely it is to become your version of the truth. So we can all be guilty of perpetuating the illusory truth effect as well. I'm going to tell my story over and over and over again, or my perception, until it becomes Truth, when in reality it's fake news. This is a really interesting idea that psychologists and sociologists are exploring on a regular basis. The more times you hear it, the more it becomes your version of the truth. We have to be really careful with things like this. And in the times that we live in today, with all kinds of different calamities crushing us, we can hear one thing and believe that this is truth, and then we hear something else, and we believe that that's truth, and we can be torn in all kinds of different directions, or we can be tunnel-visioned and tunnel-focused on one thing, rather than opening our minds and our hearts to hear other truth. So the Bible helps us. Jesus helps us, and that's what we're going to be looking at. In fact, this is so important to Jesus that he would make this statement in John chapter 8, starting in verse 31. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Isn't that great? That's how important this is to Jesus. He wants us to make our way through fake news so that we can find truth, and as a result of that truth, experience freedom. That's how important this is to Jesus. Now, the video that we showed you just a few minutes ago made this statement right at the beginning. Fake news is nothing new, and it isn't. The Lord himself, 2,000 years ago, wrestled against fake news. He wrestled and fought to help people see the truth of who he is time and time again because scripture says things like this. If you're in the Gospel of John, just turn back a couple of books to the Gospel of Mark. Mark chapter 14, verse 56. Mark 14, verse 56. If you are a note taker, somebody that writes in the margin of your Bible, you might want to write next to this verse, fake news. And 20 years from now, you'll wonder why you wrote that, because that term will have disappeared. But fake news. Here it is. Verse 56, chapter 14. For many bore false witness against him, but their testimony did not... Agree. I like the way the Good News Translation catches that. It's up on the screen, many witnesses told lies against Jesus, but their stories did not agree. Fake news. There are a whole bunch of people lying about Jesus, but when people chose to get to the truth, when they chose to look at the facts, they found out that their stories didn't agree. There was a mess already around them. If there'd have been social media 2,000 years ago in the nation of Israel, it would have been running rampant with news feeds about Jesus. And they would have been full of lies, full of fake news, with the intent of deceiving people and leading them away from the Lord. So Jesus' very first move was to address that fake news, all of those lies, with facts. That was his first move, and it was a good one. If you're in the Gospel of Mark, join me in Matthew. Just working our way back, one more book. Matthew chapter 12, starting in verse 22. Then a demon-oppressed man who was blind and mute was brought to him, and he healed him, so that the man spoke and saw. And all the people were amazed and said, Can this be the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, It is only by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that this man cast out demons. Knowing their thoughts, he said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and no city or house divided against itself will stand. And if Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? And if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore they will be your judges. But if it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon us. Or how can someone enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man, then indeed he may plunder his house. Now, pay close attention to what's happening here. This is good stuff. This is Jesus saying, let me direct you to fact. Because the fake news that surrounded this event was that Jesus was casting out demons by the power of Satan. He was casting them out through Beelzebub. So Jesus chose to address the fake news with fact. And this is what it sounded like. How in the world can that be? Because if Satan is casting out Satan, his house is divided. That makes no sense. If Satan is casting out Satan, if Satan is stopping his own work then it makes no sense. So pay attention. I'm not doing that by Satan. I am doing that by the power of God. The Holy Spirit is the one that is doing this. It makes no sense. So he uses fact to redirect them. That's what Jesus did repeatedly. All they needed to do was get through the illusory truth effects so that they could see the facts for what they really were fact Lee Strobel would teach that if the Jewish people during those days would have opened their eyes they would have seen the fingerprints of Jesus and they would have known the truth. Now we all know how that works in investigative work because we've watched shows like CSI Libby, CSI Missoula, CSI Bozeman, all those different shows. We know that fingerprints get used all the time in investigative work. Detectives look for fingerprints because it's a clue of what's going on. Well, God's fingerprints are all through the Bible. All they would have had to have done was open their eyes and they would have seen them. Now, when Lee Strobel teaches that, he uses a quote from a man named Peter Stoner, a mathematician. Stoner's research says that there are 48 references to the Messiah in the Old Testament, 48 Old Testament references to the coming Messiah. Jesus fulfilled every one of those references. Every prophecy was fulfilled in Jesus Christ, and he is the only person that that can be said about. There is only one man that fulfilled every one of the 48 references. So Peter Stoner, the mathematician, went to work to figure out what the odds of that would be by applying different equations to every one of those prophecies. For one person to fulfill every one of them, the odds would have been one in, I can't even say this right, you have to see it. Here it is. One in a trillion, 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 hold it, trillion, trillion. One in a trillion to the 13th power. I have no logical way of wrapping my mind around that. So I was talking to Josh Erickson right before first service started. I said, would you give me some way of figuring out how many zeros that would be? Would you help me figure out how to wrap my head around this number? And he did. He stood there and counted on his fingers and he said, this is what it would be. And it made no sense to me. So this is it. One in a trillion to the 13th power. And Jesus fulfilled every one of them. Every one of them. Those were the fingerprints of Jesus. If they would have simply looked at the Old Testament prophecies that they were so familiar with, there would have been no question in their mind that he was who he said he was. Look at the facts. Just look at the facts. Jesus says in Luke chapter 24, verse 44, These are my words that I spoke to you. While I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Look at the facts. Jesus directed them back to the facts and they had some laid out in front of them that were so plain. It is the same today when we are hearing fake news and it doesn't matter what it might be about. We need to get to the bottom of it. We need to look at the facts Trace it out, do your due diligence, do the math, work the equation so that you get to the truth. Facts are important. And when somebody puts something out on Facebook, that does not instantly make it fact. When somebody puts something on Instagram, it does not mean that you have to trust it. In the days before social media, if somebody wrote a book, they were considered an authority. with really no regard for what their background might have been. They were just considered an instant authority. If somebody wrote an article and another place published it, they were given authoritative status right out of the shoots, without people questioning and testing it. The book of First John tells us to test every spirit and see whether it is of God. Look for the facts, and once you have them, you are on a path to truth. Even in these uncertain times that we live in, it's still the same. Look for the facts. That's what Jesus was saying. Check the fingerprints. Fingerprints are going to tell you who I am. But he didn't just leave it there. He said, if that isn't enough, then pay attention to my works. Pay attention to what I'm doing, because that's going to validate what you saw in the fingerprints. Jesus was saying, I'm working miracles. By who am I working those? It's found in John chapter 10 when he says, just pay attention to what I'm doing. Pay attention to the fact that I am not performing these miracles in secret. I am doing it publicly so that you may know and believe. So once you've looked at the fingerprints, pay attention to the works, and you are now standing on a firm foundation. That's true in our salvation. That's true with the gospel. We can do the exact same thing. Once you've gotten to a place where you are saying, yes, I believe that Jesus is who he says he is, I want to look at what he has done in my life and in the lives of those around me, and I'm going to put all that information together, and what I'll have in front of me is a table full of facts about who he is. And there'll be no question in my mind. There'll be no question in my heart. I know whom I have believed. Yet there's still a challenge that people have to face. It is true in the realm of fake news. It is true even in the realm of our walk with God. It's called, and the, the video hinted to it just a little bit, the confirmation bias. Here it is. The confirmation bias. Now, maybe you need a definition of that. I want to make sure you have it. Confirmation bias leads people to put more stock in the information that confirms their beliefs and discounts information that doesn't. I'm only going to listen to what I want to listen to. I'm only going to hear what I want to hear. I don't want to hear anything else. Therefore, I won't. Confirmation bias. It got the Pharisees in trouble over and over and over again. When we first start studying the New Testament, the term Pharisee will show up. And for a new believer, you don't really know what that is. And as you make your way through it, you find out that they were a ruling class within the Jewish faith, the Pharisees. But the Pharisees seemed to hate Jesus. They wanted him gone. That leads us to a place where we say, why? Why would they want him gone? Well, there's at least three answers for that. Number one, they were jealous of the crowds that he was drawing. Until Jesus came, they had never seen anything like that. People came to them. They went to the the Sanhedrin to get their answers. They went to synagogue to get their answers. But now Jesus was preaching and people were flocking to him and they didn't like it. They were jealous of it. They were also bothered because Jesus exposed them for who they really were. So they didn't like that. They started an attack against him because he exposed them for who they were. He showed them that they had hung their hat on the hope of religion, not on the Messiah. So the Pharisees wanted to stop what Jesus was doing. And then, of course, there was just simply this. They were afraid that if Jesus was who he said he was and the message that he was bringing was real, then they were going to lose their standing in society. They would lose their power. So there's at least three reasons the Pharisees hated him. But do you know how much they hated him? It started with trying to trap him. Here's a a verse up on the screen that will show that to you. Luke chapter 20, verses 19 and 20. The scribes and the chief priests sought to lay hands on him at that very hour. For they perceived that he had told this parable against them, but they feared the people. So they watched him and sent spies who pretended to be sincere that they might catch him in something he said, so as to deliver him up to the authority and jurisdiction of the governor. They wanted to trap him. They were trying to get him to stumble over his words so that they could catch him in something. And they tried it over and over and over again. And when they couldn't do that, they amped up their efforts. Take a look at what happens next. This is found in John chapter 5, verse 18. This was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him. Because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. So they went from trying to trap Jesus to trying to kill him like that. It moved that fast. They were so jealous of him because he had exposed them for who they were and they ran the risk of losing their way of life that that's what they chose to do. And their confirmation bias was so strong that they could not hear anything else, including the facts, the fingerprints of who he was. They could not see what he was doing and the way that he was showing himself to be who he said he was to all these people. They wanted to kill him instead. They even came up with a plan. John chapter 8, verse 59, so they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. They didn't do it just once, they did it a second time. John chapter 10, verses 31 through 39, the Jews picked up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, I have shown you many good works from the Father, for which of them are you going to stone me? The Jews answered him. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the Father is in me, and I am in the Father. Again they sought to arrest him, but he escaped from their hands. Now here Jesus says, I am who I say I am. Look at my fingerprints. Look at the works. Look at the facts. But again, they sought to arrest him and stone him. Hurl rocks at him until he died. Confirmation bias. Confirmation bias. A lot of us wrestle with the exact same thing. Just look at the political climate that surrounds us right now. We want to hear what we want to hear, and we don't want to hear anything else. So we won't listen. Confirmation bias. It can apply to any number of different things. You can get into relationships and see how confirmation bias begins to sway how you feel about certain people. happens all the time confirmation bias is fueled by fake news but because of the bias we don't want to hear anything else do you know how many people are going to go to hell because of confirmation bias fueled by fake news it's staggering it is staggering because they would not open their hearts and their minds enough to look at the fingerprints of jesus and the works that he has done to look at the facts unto salvation How many other relationships have been destroyed through the ages because of confirmation bias? Fake news. Fake news. I don't want anybody to leave today thinking that Phil was preaching on politics and all he was trying to do was show us how to get through fake news stuff. I don't want you to believe that at all because when you come to Libby Christian Church, every time you come, we want you to hear Jesus Christ crucified and resurrected. We want you to know that there is hope. So as we make our way through all of this, I want you to know why all of this matters. It matters unto God's ends. Us making our way through all of these things matter because God says they matter. And we have to pay attention to that. So I want you to be able to go home today knowing how the lord has done this for us how he has made it possible for us to get through fake news unto the facts of who he is so i'll take you to an interesting place in scripture romans chapter 8 join me there will you romans chapter 8 we're going to start verse 31 Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, neither angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Now, here's a little challenge for you. I want you to take those verses, starting in verse 31 and going all the way through to verse 39, and ask yourself this question as you look at them. What is the most important verse out of those that we just read? Take a quick minute and do that. If you have your Bible in your hand, laying on your lap, your phone in your hand, whatever it is, look at those verses, which one is the most important? Once you have one, somebody just shout it out. What's that? God is for us. Who can be against us? Anybody else? Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Absolutely. Anybody else? One more. Go ahead. More than that, he was raised. Yep. Look real close at verse 32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? It all begins right there. John would say it this way, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believeth in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. God willingly gave his son. Jesus willingly died for us, that we might know salvation. That's fact. That is fact. It has been proven over and over and over again even those that set about to disprove the life death burial and resurrection of jesus have failed at every turn to do that many of them trying to disprove the existence of jesus unto atheism have become believers because they've stumbled across the fact that jesus was who he said he was That means they've stumbled across this very verse. God loved us so much that he sent his son to die for us. Jesus willingly came to die for us. If that is truth, and it is, how much more does he have in store for us? That's what leads us to a place that we can say we are more than conquerors. Nothing will separate us from the love of God. There is nothing that the enemy can throw at us that will take that away from us. Fact. We can stand on it. We can stand on it. But I want to warn you, once we know that, we are still in jeopardy. And I'll show you what I mean by that. Join me in the Gospel of Matthew now. Matthew chapter 16 is a popular passage. I've shared it with you a lot. Other teachers and preachers spend a lot of time in this passage for good reason. Listen to what happens. Verse 13. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. If you're a note taker, somebody that writes in the margin of your Bible, you might want to write fake news right there. They just reported it. If there had been social media during those days, they might have pulled their phone out, their their donkey phone. (laughs) (laughs) Folks, it will not get any better than that. I, I was up late last night listening to Christmas music. That is the absolute best I've got. There wasn't an iPhone. It would have been the donkey phone. They pulled the donkey phone out, and they started scrolling, and they say, well, here's a post that says you're John the Baptist. Here's one that says you're Elijah. Here's one that says Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Here's all these posts. That was fake news and social media speaking in those days. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son, of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So Peter had to make his way through the confirmation biases of the day. He had to get through the illusory truth effect so that he could stand on fact, and he declared it. Peter declared it. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Nothing else matters. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's the end of it. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And I don't care what anybody else says. I don't care what all these news feeds say. I don't care what Twitter says. I don't care what Instagram says. I don't care what some dude that lives in Georgia says. I care about this. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. That's truth. That's truth based in fact. And Peter stood on it. Peter stood on it. But I want you to watch what happens next. Join me in verse 21. had Peter in jeopardy. In fact, the very next thing that happened had Peter being rebuked by Jesus. He goes from here to here that quickly. That's how fast it happens. Friends, listen to me on this. If you find yourself at a place, even in the culture and society that we live in today, where you believe that you need to rebuke the Lord, push the pause button. Push the pause button. That's what Peter was doing. He was rebuking the Lord. He was daring to tell Jesus that he was wrong. He was daring to tell Jesus that what he was doing wasn't right. Push the pause button. Because the last thing in the world you want to have is Jesus telling you, get behind me, Satan. That didn't come from you. That came from Satan. Push pause pause button. Does that make sense? And in the realm of fake news, sometimes that's the best thing you can do. You push the pause button until you get back to the facts. You are the Christ, the son of the living God, and nothing else matters. And God is in charge. God is in control, and I trust it. I trust him. And when we get there, we are doing all right. No matter what happens, I trust God. No matter where this goes, I trust God. No matter how bad this gets, I trust God. In the world that we live in today, as it seems like all these things are piling up on us and crashing down on us, there is nothing better than to say, I trust God. And no matter where it ends, I trust God because he's doing something here. Because if we can't say that, we put ourselves in jeopardy of being rebuked by the Lord. You do not want that. Get behind me, Satan. You do not want your name attached to that. So push the pause button. Shake your head if that makes sense. Push the pause button. As we wrap this up, I want to show you something that I actually saw on Facebook this past week. You heard me this morning talking about how Facebook can't be trusted and so on. I I found this meme on Facebook, really liked it. Then I laid some scripture over it, and I liked it even more. Take a look. Train your mind to hear what God whispers, and not what the enemy shouts. Train your mind to hear what God whispers, and not what the enemy shouts. When you're looking for truth, that is of the utmost importance. And listen to me, God Whispers. I went looking in scripture for different examples of the whisper of God and found several. My favorite, though, at least this week, is found in 1 Samuel chapter 3. You don't have to turn. Just listen. Use your imagination to listen. Now, the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. We live in a time where many people say, The word of the Lord is rare. God doesn't seem to be moving. Why isn't God doing this? Why isn't God doing that? God is. He has a plan. God is working his plan. You trust it. So listen to what happens next. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel... Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, go lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood, calling out as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak, for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, behold, I'm about to do a thing in Israel at which the two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. That's the whisper of God. That's the whisper of God. Three times, Samuel. Samuel. And Samuel didn't understand the voice. He didn't know the voice until he did. And then he said, hear my Lord speak. And this was God's response. Samuel, I am calling you to action because I'm about to do something in this land that everyone who hears of it, their ears will tingle. That's God's plan. Everyone who hears of it, their ears will tingle. Listen to the whispers of God more than the shouts of the enemy because the enemy will always shout louder than God whispers to deceive you. So you listen to the whispers of God. Over and over and over again, you listen to the whispers of God because the shouts of the enemy will try to drown it out. I found myself laying some other scripture over this meme wanting to take a look at the shouts of the enemy. And there are a number of them. This week I went to Zechariah chapter 3. The entire chapter, it's not very long. I'll share it with you. However, after this is over, you go to Zechariah chapter 3 because everyone needs to see it. Everyone needs to read it. Listen close. Use your imagination. Verse 1. Then he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. And the Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, O Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this a brand plucked from the fire? Now Joshua was standing before the angel clothed with filthy garments. And the angel said to those who were standing before him, remove the filthy garments from him. And to him he said, behold, I have taken your iniquity away from you and I will clothe you with pure vestments. And I said, let them put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him with garments. And the angel of the Lord was standing by. And the angel of the Lord solemnly assured Joshua, thus says the Lord of hosts, if you will walk in my ways and keep my charge, then you shall rule my house and have charge of my courts. And I will give you the right of access among those who are standing here. Hear now, O Joshua, the high priest, you and your friends who sit before you, for they are men who are assigned. Behold, I will bring my servant the branch. For behold, on the stone that I have set before Joshua, on a single stone with seven eyes, I will engrave its inscription, declares the Lord of hosts. And I will, listen to this, God says, and I will remove the iniquity of this land, I love this, in a single day. In that day, declares the Lord of hosts, every one of you will invite his neighbor to come under his vine and under his fig tree. Now you gotta picture all of this. Here's Joshua standing beside the Lord in the court of the Lord, and Satan is there, and the Bible says Satan is there for one single purpose, to accuse Joshua the high priest before God, and God dealt with it. God dealt with Satan by looking at him. The Bible says the angel of the Lord looked at him, which means Jesus looked at him, and said, the Lord rebuke you. As soon as Satan went to open his mouth to accuse Joshua, this is what happened. At least in my mind, this is how I picture it. (laughs) Shut up! that was it that was it and jesus knocked him down and said now let me talk to joshua joshua you came in here wearing filthy clothes take them off take them off because i have new clothes for you it's the same thing that jesus does for us He allows us to take off the filthy clothes and put on new clothes. Read Romans chapter 5 and 6, you'll see it. We put on new clothes before the Lord, and we stand there pure before God. And God says, no accusation that will come from the enemy will stand not in my court. And he rebukes him. He rebukes him. And then the Lord goes on to say that with Joshua standing in his presence, that I am about to clean up this entire land, and I will do it in one day. I will do it in one day. Isn't that cool? What has taken all these years to cause this problem, I'll clean it up and I'll do it in one day. I will do it in one day. So as you look at all these things that are are piling up above us and crashing down on us and all of this mess that's around us, you trust that God can deal with it in one day. In just one day. That's all it takes. When the Lord moves, that's all it takes. One day. That's powerful stuff. The Lord is looking for those that believe it those that have placed their feet on that fact, that God can do it in one day. I believe the Lord. I believe the Lord. I believe him for many reasons. The first one is the fact of who he is. If you believe the Lord, say it with me. I believe the Lord. Lord. Say it with me again. I believe the Lord. Lord. Say it with all kinds of confidence. I believe the Lord.